If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to open the Word of God to the book of Proverbs, to chapter 1. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to begin a series that will move through summer, a portion of the summer, that will go through the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Mark is a gospel that has many parallels with several of the other gospels, so we'll actually touch on Matthew and Luke in many ways as well. But this morning, this is not the beginning of a series, but it is the first, Lord willing, of a suite of sermons. Two or three times a year, I intend, indefinitely, to go to the book of Proverbs and to mine different portions of God's wisdom there. And this is meant to be something of an introduction this morning as we look at a section of this book, which is usually called the preamble. That word is not in the text, but that's functionally what it is. Imagine a modern book and how on the dust jacket or on the very back of the book, you'll find a description of what it's about. In the ancient world, it was very common that at the beginning of a scroll, imagine you're opening the scroll, the first thing you're going to see is the preamble. It's going to tell you what is this book about. gives you some idea of it. And verses 1 through 6 accomplish that purpose to tell you what is Proverbs about. And we are then going to focus on this section and see what is the Lord's will for us. This morning, let's give attention to the words beginning at verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight. To receive instruction in wise dealing. And righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple. Knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Let's ask the Lord to help us as we seek to understand his will. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask this morning for the grace of your Holy Spirit to illuminate our minds, and to incline our hearts to walk in your path. We ask this knowing that everything we seek is yes and amen through faith in Christ, according to your will. In his name we pray. Amen. God's will for you in this book is very straightforward. It's contained right there in verse 1, the words where it says, to know wisdom. The Lord does not desire that any of his people would be fools, but that every one of us would become wise to know wisdom. And that, of course, raises a question, what is wisdom? What is wisdom? How would you describe that? One common description of wisdom, in a general way, is a skill and habit of living well. A skill and a habit of living well. As believers, we would want to clarify that. We would say that it's a skill and a habit of living well unto the Lord. Now, why do I say it's a skill and a habit? Because it's kind of like a coin. A coin has two sides. If either one of those sides is missing, the coin ceases to exist. You need both sides of the coin. On the one side, wisdom entails something that is mental in nature, intellectual, the ability to perceive the best path. 
Wisdom entails the ability to perceive the best path. But there's another side to this coin. And if you don't have both sides, you don't have wisdom. You have foolishness. Think about a person who knows the right path and they don't take it. We call that person a fool. It doesn't matter that they knew the right path if they don't take it. The other side of wisdom is to be able to prefer the right path, to have a habit of the heart, a groove cut in your soul where you actually desire the right path. The wise person is able to discern but also to desire what is good in God's sight. And this is the Lord's will for you, that you would become a wise person. And this morning, the Holy Spirit is leading you, maybe bringing you back to something, that you are to seek wisdom foremost from the Word. And in particular, from the book of Proverbs. And so what we're going to do this morning under two main divisions, first we're going to look simply at a few reasons to seek wisdom, especially in the book of Proverbs. I know that there are some of you who read Proverbs regularly, maybe even daily. There are others of us, probably, who have not touched the book of Proverbs in a long, long time. I want to give you reasons why you should, on a more regular basis, read the book of Proverbs. And then secondly, I want to furnish you, Lord willing, with just a couple of principles, three principles, for profiting from this book. Every book of the Bible has its distinctions. And we interpret in specific ways when we're in different parts of the Bible. So I want to furnish you with a few principles. Before any of that, though, let's acknowledge something. There are many sources of wisdom in the world. And not all of them are bad. Not all of them are to be avoided. There are many sources of wisdom outside of the Bible. Every single day, every one of you, myself included, seeks wisdom from outside of the Bible. I heard a certain noise going on in my car, and I called my mechanic. And I asked him for wisdom to live well in one very small part of the pie slice of the pie of life. He has wisdom about vehicles and even a particular brand of vehicle. So wisdom is not only in the Bible. The Lord has allowed that there should be much contained in the world. You seek wisdom from your doctor. You you seek wisdom from maybe a financial advisor or a counselor for your relationships. And often we seek wisdom in our own heart. We simply meditate. What what is the best way forward? I want to encourage you, however, to seek wisdom specifically from the word. And even more pointedly, from the book of Proverbs, to regularly seek it in Proverbs. And why is that? This is our first main division. I want to give you some reasons to do so. This should be a normal part of Christian life The first is this, that because wisdom which stands outside of the Bible is at best deficient, at worst it is deceitful. When I say it's deficient, all that wisdom my mechanic has would not lead me to the gospel. All of his knowledge of every part of a Honda does not terminate at something where it can be integrated with the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says the world by its wisdom did not know God, that the natural man, according to natural wisdom, cannot know the things of God, for they are spiritually discerned. The gospel was not in the world from creation. It's a revelation. It's on top of what is according to nature. And so natural wisdom will point you towards self-righteousness, or it'll point you towards idolatry, worshiping sin. 
but it will not situate you upon the cross looking to the Lord in Jesus Christ. And so you need to be fixed upon the word. The Lord, for that reason, has provided an entire section of scripture that is grounded on the first principle of wisdom. If you look at me at verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. When it says the fear of the Lord here, it's not talking about a flinching dread of a God that we do not love and trust. It's talking about a reverent worshipfulness, a reliance that is mixed with respect. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of an integrated knowledge, the true way of godliness that the Lord calls his people to. Outside of what God reveals in the word, you could convince yourself all kinds of things are wise. Proverbs 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Proverbs situates you upon fear of the Lord, a respect for his character and his revealed will. Now, it's possible somebody could make an objection. They say, well, I do fear the Lord. And they mean it sincerely. They fear the Lord. And therefore, I don't need to be in Proverbs very often. I, I learned the lesson. I can move on. I've got it. Proverbs 26, verse 12. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. If you think you have attained enough wisdom to neglect Proverbs, you've missed the point. No one is beyond the wisdom that God gives us here. Faith is not like some lake that at the beginning of a season gets filled up with fish. You don't come stocked with all the wisdom that you need simply because you are a believer. In fact, notice what it says in the text in verse 4. One of the purposes of Proverbs. To give knowledge and discretion to the youth. He doesn't say unconverted youth. These are youth in context within the covenant community. Elsewhere you read in Proverbs 22 verse 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And the word child there is the same term here. Youth, it's just someone who is not yet uh, of majority, not yet an adult. It's bound up. It's like something tangled up in a knot. And being in Proverbs regularly, especially throughout your formative years, is a way of cutting away at that knot, taking it apart to get to maturity, to get to wisdom. But that's not something that you outgrow as an adult. Even people who say who come to faith when they're adults, for the most part, this is not an insult, I'll include myself in this, most of those whom God calls are simple people. How can I say that without being offensive? Because the Bible says that. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says very plainly, 1 Corinthians 1.26, Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. God glorifies his gospel wisdom by calling from among mostly those who are simple people. He honors his graciousness in that way. And therefore, you should not presume that you are wise. You should presume, I'm one of those simple people. But the Lord did not call you to remain foolish. He called you in order that you would become wise. Not even to be somewhere in the middle you want to end your life definitely categorized as that was a wise person. Think about a person who doesn't want to end that way. That's a fool. We want to be wise people. Ephesians 5 verse 15. The apostle says to the church, 
Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The Lord has given you inspired, infallible, inerrant scriptures so that you wouldn't have to wonder what the will of the Lord is. You can search them. You can study them. That's the single biggest reason to study Proverbs regularly. Kind of like, why should you let the Psalms be the core of your prayer and praise? Because God inspired a section of the Bible for that very purpose. And if God has inspired a section of the Bible specifically centered on wisdom, doesn't it make sense that should be a part of your regular life of seeking wisdom? No one ever outgrows this. No one outgrows it. Look with me at verse 5. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. What's obvious there is greater guidance. So even if you are wise, even if you do have a measure of understanding that stands above many others, your whole life, Proverbs, is for you. These are some of the reasons why this should be a regular part of your life. What I hope to do with the time that remains is to lay before you, to furnish you with just a few principles Three principles, three tools that will help you to profit from this book in particular. It's possible when you come to different parts of the Bible to use them in a way that they actually end up working against you or working against other people. So what do we do? The first principle is this. You need to grasp the intended purpose of this book. And that seems simple. Maybe you already think, I know the purpose of this book. It's to make me wise. But we need to be more specific than that. The intended purpose of this book is described in verse 3. Look with me. To provide instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. Instruction. All right. But that might trick you. That might mislead you into thinking that what you're going to find in Proverbs is a bunch of black and white statements. Kind of like, thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not kill. But look at all of the phrases that surround verse 3 and verses 2 through 6. To give prudence, discretion, learning and guidance, understanding. What this is getting at is simply this. It's all about honing, sharpening your head and your heart for the myriad situations of life that you'll be in. I want to be clear, there are some statements in the book of Proverbs that are absolutes. They are always true under every condition. For instance, it says that lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. That's always true. Many, if not most, of the Proverbs, however, deal with what we would call a generality. The moral, ethical generalities of life in a fallen world. Maybe you've heard the phrase. I imagine anyone above fifth grade has heard the phrase, I before E except after C. In most cases, I before E, but then except after C, there's a different set of rules there. Proverbs is the I before E of ethics in this world. Ordinarily, if you live by the things described here, you can expect certain outcomes. And therefore, to live contrary to these things would be foolish. Ordinarily, if you jump out of a plane 
with no parachute, you're going to plummet and you're going to hit the ground. Exceptionally, it could be that you jump out and a huge eagle swoops down. and you, Maybe, but that's not how you live life. The Bible has, except after C, books. Books like Ecclesiastes and Job. Job lived a Proverbs life. He got the except after C. And there are books to help you with that. But here, the reason why I underscore this as the first, as the main principle, is so that you don't harm yourself or harm others. By taking the book of Proverbs and treating it like these are ironclad fortune cookies describing fate. Train up a child in the way he shall go, and in the end, he will not depart from it. That is a general proverb of wisdom. It is not an ironclad outcome. And so if you are the exception and you raise your child well and that child departs, that doesn't mean that either you can raise your fist at God or that you should punch yourself and say, I guess I didn't do it. There are exceptions. Proverbs is general wisdom. So this is the first thing that you need to have clear before you, its intended purpose. The second is this. Prayerfully prepare to be puzzled. If you are going to spend serious time in the book of Proverbs and actually meditate, you're going to find things that you go, I don't know what to do with this. And here it's very handy to know a few commentaries that would be helpful to you. On our church website, in the pastor's blog section, I actually put up a list of some commentaries that are good for that purpose. But... At the end of the day, mainly, be on your knees and ask for help. Let me give you an example. Proverbs, in fact, before looking at somewhere else, look at me at verse 6, where it says that Proverbs prepares you to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Proverbs prepares you to understand riddles. It doesn't always tell you the answers to the questions that you have. For example, Proverbs 26. In fact, look with me there. Proverbs 26. This is one of the famous passages which people who don't know anything about the scriptures, don't know anything about the different genres, will raise their finger and say, oh, here's a contradiction. No, it's not a contradiction. If you actually took time to know how the Bible speaks, you'd know this is no contradiction at all. Proverbs 26, verse 4. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. The very next verse, verse 5. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So which is it? Which should you do? And I put it to you, maybe some of you teenagers or young adults. You're speaking with somebody, and they are just incredibly foolish. Do you answer them? Well, no. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you become like him. It's foolish to argue with foolish people. You're not going to get anywhere. But no, verse 5 says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he become wise in his own eyes. Which is it? It's not a law. It's an exercise machine for your judgment. Think of a rowing machine. You go back and forth. Many different parts of Proverbs put you in a position to work your judgment and to think through not just what is the general will of the Lord, but what will be the consequences of different choices. Do I have to tell anyone? No, I don't. You all know this. Sometimes all of your choices will have negative outcomes. No one of them is going to be 
cleanly, obviously, all positive. Proverbs, by God's wisdom, prepares you to anticipate a variety of outcomes and to make prudent choices between them. Especially if you're going to be in leadership. And by leaders, I mean here, say, parents of children, maybe employers or any position of management. Maybe you are in a civil position of authority. If you think that you're always going to be served up clean choices, oh, you're going to have a hard time. But Proverbs is here to exercise us through these puzzles and to do so prayerfully. These are the Proverbs of Solomon. And while he is not, arguably, the author of every single one of them, he stands kind of like you have uh, an album, and it's by this particular person, but then you see other people are listed. But this is the collector and the overall voice. You have other people in this book, Augur, Lemuel. We don't know if those names are other names for Solomon. It's indifferent. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. But where did Solomon get his wisdom from? If you know the story, where does he get it? He prays. He asks the Lord for wisdom. So this is not a sermon where I am appealing to certain people who are just brighter. Pray for supernatural guidance. And I appeal especially to the young. Start now. Ask the Lord to equip you both with the discernment and the desire for God's path. And then trust him to do it. The book of James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all who ask. Generously, not a little. Believe, dare to believe that God will give you much wisdom. But understand that with much wisdom comes a responsibility to walk in the way of holiness. We're not just asking for facts. We are asking for the formation of our hearts. This brings us to our third, our final principle. As you study Proverbs, as you read it, you need to be careful to set Proverbs within its bigger picture. Within its bigger picture. The bigger picture, of course, is the whole Bible. What is the Bible? What is the core message of the Bible? The core message of the Bible is God's glorification of himself in revealing what he's willing to share, the greatest possible thing, his own power and glory revealed in Jesus Christ. His glory is most manifest, he has chosen to glorify himself in his graciousness towards all who trust him. And the way that he does that is by not simply calling us to be good people, but by sending Jesus Christ into the world, God in the flesh, to become for us wisdom, righteousness, and redemption. Christ's whole life, he's not living for himself. He's living that for you. When you see him as a 12-year-old in the temple inquiring and gaining wisdom, he's doing that because of who you were at age 12. He is being all the things that we ought to have been. He's pleasing the Lord in desiring to know and to do all that God desires. And the message then of Proverbs, as you read it, you are reading, in a way, another gospel. As you read about the wise person, you're reading a description of Jesus, and that should be on your mind. Instead of just feeling guilt, oh, I do not live up to this, oh, I've, I've broken that. You read it and you say, oh, Lord, thank you that you have been for me wisdom. 
1 Corinthians 1.29 says, It is because of God's gracious calling that you are in Jesus, who has now become for us wisdom from God, our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. But then you move even further into the category of sanctification. And as you read Proverbs, you pray for the specific things that you're reading. And you trust that the Holy Spirit, who takes what belongs to Christ and forms it in you, will give you a measure of that. Each of the Proverbs becomes an opportunity for prayer. So it's not for condemnation, it is for conviction. But it leads you to faith, and then through faith, into sanctification. So I simply want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, make this a regular part of your life. I'm not going to tell you every day. I don't read Proverbs every single day. As a young person especially, it's not a bad habit, though. And there are different ways that you can approach that. I want to counsel you, respect the structure of the book. The chapters that we have make 31, and so some people try to do one every single day throughout the month. That's fine. But remember, those chapter divisions weren't added until 1560 in your English Bible. They're not a part of the text. The original text arguably has seven different groupings. And so respect that as you read. Don't treat it like fortune cookies. Some parts are small, and they fit into just a few moments. Other parts will require that you set aside a season of your life. Say Proverbs 31 or Proverbs 30, long sections. It is worth it. Verse 5, finally look with me. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. None of us outlives the value of this book. As you grow in wisdom, God will be glorified. As you grow in wisdom, your neighbors, your family, your friends, your coworkers, your nation are blessed. Foolishness is no blessing. For their sake, seek wisdom. As you grow in wisdom, your own life is preserved and enriched. May God give that to us then. Let's ask for his blessing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the book of Proverbs. And we ask that you would help us to plan for the blessings that you will provide to us as we consider your word. Please guide your people through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.